Hey, thanks for joining me for another episode of Reminders. So for this week, I want to try something a little bit different. So let me know what you think. If enough people are into this idea, I might make it a monthly series. Um, about a year ago or so, I started a moon club of sorts. We would meet on Zoom and on, on new moons and full moons. And we would just share journal prompts and some people would share music. I played a couple songs here and there. Um, of course, over Zoom, the, the quality of music coming through, the audio quality wasn't great. So I had this idea for the podcast to do essentially the same thing. I'll share a few journaling prompts and then put in some higher quality audio music for us to chill to while going through these prompts. Okay, so why do any sort of full moon, new moon ritual and why journal? The journaling aspect I'll hit first. So I have really been trying to get back into a journaling practice. I sort of developed a bad habit with journaling when I was in college and, you know, sort of in one of uh, my more uh, adjacent to rock bottom phases. And uh, I would just use it to really just whine on paper. And I found it to be sort of a cyclical negative feedback loop for me. Um, so I sort of distanced myself from the practice of journaling. Been getting back into it recently. And now that I take a more conscious approach to it, where I'm not just venting my feelings, I'm more so setting myself up to, well, first of all, just get getting thoughts out of the, the ether, out of the mental space and bringing it into the material, physical space. I feel really has benefit, you know, just for clearing the mind and organizing our thoughts. So there's that. And then setting up my thoughts in a way that are affirmative um, rather than writing down negative statements like I am something negative, feeling negative, whatever, um, phrasing it in a way that it's more of a temporary experience and more just documenting temporary experiences and also setting myself up for what energies I would like to be moving into. So making it a little bit more of a productive forward momentum type of thing. For me, that's where I'm at, but if it's if it needs to be simply just documenting where you're at currently and not necessarily looking towards what you're going to or forward towards, um, you know, that's beneficial as well. So definitely different seasons for, for different methods and different um, modalities of what, what's going to work for us and serve us. So that's why I think journaling could be a potent tool for shadow work, if you will. And I really feel that shadow work is a very important thing that we all need to sort of be finding some more fun in doing and finding more consistency in. Um, definitely speaking for myself, I've I've put it off. I know that there's there's um, shadows, there's uh, unconscious material in my subconsciousness. You know, and the subconscious brain is really what drives the ship a lot of the time and that's uh what can create this um can create suffering is when our consciousness wants to be inhabiting different behaviors but our subconsciousness is still programmed in a way that that's sort of in in conflict and not not working in tandem together so bringing the subconscious into consciousness via shadow work is really potent medicine um so i'm trying to motivate myself to get into that more consistently. So um, through this, hopefully we can keep each other accountable. Um, so the other side of it, I'll get into the full moon stuff, but while it's on my mind. Um, so I was thinking of doing these episodes on the full moon or new moon, depending, and uh, giving a couple days for people to listen and have, have some time and space to journal in their own uh, safe space, you know, and then after a few days, I thought it would be cool to still do the Zoom component and have a little Zoom meetup for anyone to share anything that came up or just, you know, general, general uh, internet hang. Um, so let me know if you're into that idea. I'm not entirely certain that that's going to happen for this session, um, but if you're into the idea, definitely let me know. And if it is happening, I'll have a link in the description. Um, so why full moon, why new moon, why, why moon ritual at all? Um, for me, and I'm, I'm not an astrologer by any means, I really don't have a very um, 
intelligent uh, grasp on astrology or how the zodiac is unfolding. Um, I'm interested by it, but I, I really resonate with the moon cycle in particular. So I'll give a real brief uh, glimpse of my understanding of the moon cycle. So the way it works is you'll have a new moon, which of course is when you can't see the moon at all in the sky. It's this auspicious time where you can't see the moon. So they say that it's a potent time for planting seeds um, of intentions. So sowing intentions, putting intentions into the world of what we want to harvest in the full moon. And it works in a six-month cycle. So right now we're in Aries season. So the new moon a week or two ago was the Aries new moon. Six months from now, we'll have the Aries full moon. So right now we're dealing with the pink moon, the Libra full moon. So six months ago, we were in Libra season. Um, so it, yeah, it's, it works in that six-month cycle. And of course, there's many, there's, there's micro and macro cycles within that, but that's one of the easiest ones to see. So it's sort of like, um, I'm setting the energy of what I want to be embodying and harvesting in six months time or, or sooner or later. Right. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the real general breakdown of why I find this to be, um, a worthwhile ritual of sorts to, to, um, take note of the moon cycle and to participate in that energetic flow. And I won't go go further on that. Um, if you're if you're into that type of thing and you want to um, uh, share your thoughts on how that all works together, I would love to have more astrology minded people on the podcast to to give a little bit more um, intelligent <laughs> takes on on the subject. But I I I gotta cut myself there because that's that's about as far as I go with it. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm just gonna riff a little bit. I was feeling inspired after listening to a podcast yesterday. Um, so I want to sort of just riff on that. So if, if you're here mostly just for the reflective um, journaling prompts and all that, feel free to skip ahead. Um, so yeah, I've been, I've been really experiencing some cool synchronicities lately. Uh, the last few podcasts that I put out, I noticed that I was seeing the types of topics that I was bringing up and that were, were brought up. I was seeing those reflected in things that I consume on, you know, on media, other podcasts and things like that. Um, a couple just recently, just last night, I was listening to Jessa Reed's Patreon episode and she was talking about something that I had just made a TikTok about earlier that day, which is this idea of, um, actually I'll just put it in the TikTok. You can, you can see it. Um, but she was talking about how she she had Lyme disease last year. And so that's like coming back around and it's just this whole idea of like, you know, we uh, we tend to be tempted to beat ourselves up when we find ourselves in a similar energy or experience that we feel like we've already moved past. And a lot of times in the realm of shadow work, that comes up a lot you know, clearing trauma of a certain sort and then feeling like you're clearing that same trauma later on. And there's, there's um, some nuance to that too, um, which is taking a masculine and feminine approach to shadow work. And I feel that when we are releasing our shadows, releasing our trauma, clearing our body, re-regulating re, uh, the nervous system, stuff like that, the clearing aspect it's vital. It's necessary. That's a very feminine aspect to it, but it needs to be balanced with that masculine aspect too. And I heard this metaphor on uh, Instagram the other day that was like, so the feminine approach is like, say you have a water leak in your basement, a pipe has burst and is leaking water. So you open the door, open the windows, whatever, you're clearing out the water, 
But if that's all you do and you don't fix the pipe leaking, it's going to continue filling the room. You're going to continue clearing it out over and over. So it was making the claim that we need masculine, active approaches to um, really regulating and getting to the root of, of our trauma, of our shadows, getting to the root of that to actively um, flip the script. And that's just a real brief um, overview of something cool that I heard on Instagram a few weeks ago. Um, I'm not going to get too deep into that right now, but it is definitely a subject I would like to delve deeper into. And I'm, I'm still learning. I definitely don't have the answers for that necessarily. I'm just now really getting, um, getting going on the more feminine approach to shadow work, as I mentioned before. So I'm definitely early on in the journey. Um, so I want to throw that out there. That, that was a cool synchronicity. Um, kind of random one was uh, a couple nights ago. I was listening to a Coheed and Cambria album. <laughs> I've mentioned Coheed and Cambria like three times on this podcast already, and we're only like six episodes in. Um, I was listening to one of their albums, and there's this guitar solo that happens that's like a very clear tip of the hat to David Gilmore from, from Pink Floyd. And he's ripping this solo and doing this, like like I said, it's 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 almost like an exact. Um, you'd probably know the solo. It's from uh, another brick in the wall. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that was it or not, but it was something that's like a very clear nod to David Gilmore. And then as that was happening, I had to like not slam on my brakes, but definitely like slow down as this rabbit ran across the road. And for whatever reason, I kind of associate like the rabbit with um, Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. Uh, there's a line, run, rabbit, run, and the the um, breathe reprise in time. Anyway, nerding out here. But um, I was thinking about that earlier today for whatever reason, and then realized that the song I was listening to was called uh, Rabbit's Run or Rabbit Will Run or something like that. It was an Iron and Wine song. And I just thought that was a funny synchronicity, random share. Um, but the main thing that I wanted to bring up in this was I was listening to a new podcast yesterday, new for me, it was the first time I listened to it, called um, Dualistic Unity. And they were talking about playing the game. And I just released an episode, um, two episodes ago, part one of Kara and my conversation about, um, you know, resetting our living space, um, stuff like that. You can Listen to those episodes if you're interested. Um, the first first part I called Play the Game. And so listening to this podcast, which is really centered around the idea of non-duality, it really reminded me of, of A, non-duality, which is just hilarious because I really find that that is a philosophy, for lack of a better term, that I resonate with the deepest. Anytime I hear an Ella eloquent speaker expressing musings on non-duality like I just melt into that and it feels so true and just really deeply resonant with me um but it's one of those things that it's just like just like staying mindful and present in the moment it's a fleeting thing you know you're like oh yeah mindfulness right right okay everything's cool you know like everything's flowing everything is what it is as it is and it's okay as it is and you're just like, all right, yeah, I'm back in the moment. And then a microsecond later, you're already, you know, chasing the rabbit that runs, right? And so, um, and actually that reminds me of a, another lyric, um, Bon Iver, Blood, Blood Bank. Uh, there's a really brilliant lyric in there where he's like, isn't that just like the present to keep showing up like this? I don't know, when I heard that, like, that just gave me chills. I just loved that line. I was just like, yeah, I mean, the present, it's literally what we are. Like, we are the moment unfolding. And the ego, this, this identity of separateness, this abstraction from the whole, is that um, illusion, if you will, that we're so deeply distracted by and identified with so often. So it's just that, that I, I just love that line because it was just a reminder that like, yeah, the present is literally always here, eternally, eternally here is the present moment. But we're dancing around it, we're distracting ourselves from it, we're, you know, going through such measures and lengths to avoid being present, being here with our feelings, with our experience, with our thoughts even. Um, but of course, thoughts can be a huge distraction from just 
physically embodying presence, just being here. And in a nutshell, that's what non-duality is all about. So, you know, it's this paradox. It's this marriage of paradoxes. Um, really quickly, and I'll, I'll talk about non-duality, I'm sure, a bunch and a bunch on this podcast. So I'm going to keep it, I'm going to try to keep it brief and concise. But non-duality essentially is the expression, the thought, I don't know, I don't want to condense it to those terms, but non-duality is pointing at that truth is beyond duality. Duality being our, our default on planet Earth, right? As, as humans, we experience time as, you know, past and future through the vehicle of the present, you know, as day and night. We, we are constantly assessing all of our experiences and things out there as right and wrong, good or bad, you know. Um, those are the most basic terms, good and bad, right? And we're always categorizing things and those dualities, those, those polarities. And non-duality is just like, nah, like, it's, it's both. It's, it's not either or, it's both. It's both that and something else. And it just really um, enlivens the mystery of experience to me that, that I don't, I'm not here to, to judge or assess life as good or bad or to, to decide what in life is right and wrong. And so that, relating to playing the game, I realized, or was reminded, that even that idea of playing the game is sort of this like egoic stance where it's this idea that like I am a player in a game, which is to say like I'm a visitor to this experience, which really isn't true. We aren't visitors to this planet. We aren't visitors to the moment. We aren't visitors to the universe. We are the universe. We are the planet. You know, we wouldn't look at trees outside and think, oh, those trees are visitors to the planet. No, you think it, it's literally rooted into the earth. I mean, we're mobile, you know, like we're not rooted into the earth in the same way, but we did sprout from this earth. Or if you believe that, you know, humans were seeded on the planet and that we're actually some alien race, who knows? I don't know. But if you believe that, then you could at least say that we're still sprouts of the universe, right? The, the totality of life. We are extensions of life. And there's no getting around that. So it's like, why are we in this habit of viewing ourselves as separate? as a player in the game, as a visitor to the planet, to the moment. And so I'm just remembering that that is, that's ego. That's ego. It's this idea that I'm separate from what is. And non-duality is just like, no, you're not, you're not an ego. Ego is this elusive, temporary experience, much like a dream, you know, that we believe when it's here, we believe it's real while we're in it but we always wake up and when we wake up, we look back and we're like, wow, how did I even believe that that was reality, you know? And um, so, yeah, I just love non-duality. I just, I feel such deep resonance with it. And um, I feel that in certain religions like uh, Buddhism and, and Christianity, I feel like those were born out of individual egos, you know, the Buddha, Siddhartha, the Christ, Jesus, you know, these avatars, these egos got it. They had a taste of that enlightenment or awaken, awaken nature of self. And they communicated about it. And then, <laughs> and then, you know, other egos took hold of those ideas and ran with them and maybe positive, maybe negative ways. Um, doesn't matter, right? Um, but I feel like, you know, the, and that's, that's why for me, it's easy to romanticize Buddhism because it's sort of foreign to my upbringing. I was, I was brought up as a Christian. And so to see that like clear expression of Buddhism, I mean, Buddhism's right on the mark. It's, it's really a philosophy more than a religion, but it also has been a religion and um, I'm sure there's been shadow sides of that cultural religion throughout history in the East, just the way Christianity, you could say the same thing about that in the West. And I, I suspect that maybe people that 
I don't know, grew up in India or Japan or something like that, um, may look at Christianity and think, oh yeah, they're, that's right on. Like serve your neighbor, love each other. Like you're like, you are each other, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, that makes so much sense. And there's not this, um, association the way that I have grown to associate the, the, the shadow sides, the, the downfalls of the Christian religion. You know, I, I have a lot of trauma around that, that I haven't cleared and I've forgiven it to some extent. But my point here is that like the essence of both of those religions in particular, I don't want to speak necessarily about the other ones because I'm most familiar with Christianity and Buddhism. I think at the heart of both of those religions is non-duality is this non-dual perspective um, but I can't say that they've been interpreted and translated um, as deeply and as fluidly throughout history. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, just something that I'm interested in. Just the, uh, the, the dynamic of religion and the dynamic of being an awakened embodiment of this, of the moment, versus following and awakened master or whatever ascended master is what you know Jesus and Buddha are often categorized as. Um, so yeah, I just I, th- I just wanted to throw that out there that that this idea of playing the game is almost this idea that like we are an ego that needs to prove itself, that needs to accomplish something, that needs to be good so that we're rewarded at the end of life or avoid being bad so we can avoid punishment. And I just don't really feel like that's the truth of the matter. I think that's a particular story. And if we believe that story, then it very, very well may play out in our experience. Um, but anyway, I'm reeling it back because uh, I could go on forever about this type of thing. Like I said, definitely we'll get deeper into all of the above later on. But um yeah, I just wanted to bring that up because it really it comes down to this this juggling act. You know, how do we how do we live in the game and play the game while retaining awareness that we are the whole moment, we are the whole expression of of this. Um but let me reel it back real quick and give give another take on a definition of non-duality. So another another aspect of this, another way of putting it, is that in non-duality, only one thing exists. The moment. The moment, period. <laughs> this. This is what exists. And the moment is infinitely shifting. That's kind of getting to the impermanence in Buddhism, right? The only thing that we can really count on is the constant shifting of the energy that's here, the impermanence of all forms. So the only thing that really exists is the moment. And the two essential ways that the moment could be turned into a duality, again, it's like a it's a yin-yang duality where they, they seem like separate components. I'm trying to do a yin-yang thing with my hands. I don't know why at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my point being that like they are each other, right? The the dark has a little bit of the light, the, the light has a little bit of the dark, right? They are each other. So the yin yang, the essential yin yang, in in the way that it's been explained to me and that I really resonate with, is that the moment can be broken down into two things. One, pure, unadulterated awareness pure awareness, what religious folks might call God, what other maybe like spiritual-ish people might call consciousness, just pure, pure awareness. And the other component is the forms of awareness, the contents of which awareness can be aware, the contents of awareness and just pure awareness. Okay. So again, they are each other. Um, but like 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 me i'm clearly a formed entity but only because there's a an awareness witnessing my life and my experience i mean what good is the form without awareness like a 
tree that falls that if there's no one there to experience or witness it's falling, does it make a sound type of deal, you know? Um, so forms of awareness and awareness. So getting back to what I was saying, this, this juggling act of to be in this experience and, and, and play it to win, so to speak, but not from an energy of necessity, not from an energy of urgency or desperation, but just, yeah, I'm, all there is ex is experience. What experience do I want to witness and embody? You know, do I want to play this game where I'm the savior of, you know, myself and my country and I have to go do this grandiose thing, you know, whatever. That's an option. Do that if you feel called to do that. Do I want my story to be just being Zen with any beauty or ugliness that comes my way, you know? Um, an example of, of that. And I'm not saying there's a right or wrong here. Like obviously, like I said, it's it it all goes. That's the thing in non-duality, it all goes. But it's like, what do you want to experience? Um, even when I was setting up for this podcast, like I spilled a whole glass of water. Like, yeah, at first I was like, oh, son of a, you know what? But then I was quickly just like, all right, going to get the towels. Like, this is just what I'm doing now. This is just, okay, this is what's being called to me. I need to clean this thing up. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, what's the use of getting supercharged and identified with, oh, that wasn't supposed to happen. Now I have to do this thing and this is a big inconvenience, you know, whatever. Um, silly little example. But anyway, I just wanted to drive home before I finish this up that, you know, that, that juggling act of experience and retaining awareness of the experience is really what mindfulness is all about or what I like to call lucidity, you know, to, to be in this dream of life, so to speak, and to be aware that I am dreaming in this life and that it's not so serious. It's not so important. You know, and there's a freedom, there's a, there's a creative flow that I can tap into in this moment, this moment that's unfolding as literally everything. We can have access to that. We literally are that. And are we going to identify with the abstract form, the abstraction from the whole, the separate form, the seemingly separate form? Are we going to identify with that and its brokenness and how we can improve our ind ind independent individual self? Sure, I'm just asking. You know, I'm not again not saying right or wrong. Or are we going to identify with the wholeness, with you know the the connection and community and bond between me as an individual and all the other components of the moment, the other individuals of the oneness of the the spirit unfolding as this present moment. You know, so like, what's our baseline of identity? Is it the ego or is it something deeper? Is it something more expansive, more infinite and eternal? Because we know that the ego is temporary. We know that the ego will, will pass and will shift into other life forms, other as, as food for other life forms, you know, um, to decay and decompose back into the earth from which we came. You know, we know that. We know that all that's going to happen. So where do we, where do we ground our identity? Um, sure, let's let's let that be the first uh, prompt. I haven't actually gotten the prompts together, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say that's our first prompt. So where do you find yourself most identifying right now? What is your habitual identity? What aspect of yourself are you identifying with? Um, I'm going to play some music and we're going to chill. I'm going to cut the video here and, um, yeah, let's just, let's just melt into the moment and see what, see what comes up, see what unfolds and, uh, enjoy having some, some creative and co-creative play in this experience that it's not just happening to us. We can take some participation in it. We can take some responsibility for what we are experiencing even if we know that that experience is temporary and the weight of the world doesn't doesn't depend on it the the totality of the moment is going to be okay and it's going to be what it is no matter what we do but we experience what we do so what what do we want to do what do we want to experience so 
anyway, thank you for um, spending some time with this video and with yourself. And um, again, let's, let's, let's melt in and, and see what comes up. So I'm going to repeat that prompt for clarity and leave the question on the screen uh, while I play this song here. And I'll leave timestamps for the following questions if you want to skip ahead, if that question isn't resonating, or if you already finished it and want to breeze on through. So this first song is short and sweet. It's called Soul Ray. You can find that on my first EP, Sola, and it'll also be on the LP release of that collection called Sola T, which will be released this spring or summer. And that first prompt was, what aspect of yourself have you been most identified with? What, what has been your habit of identity? And is that what is fueling your chosen purpose right now? Is that what you want to be focusing on? And if not, what aspect of yourself would you like to shift that focus to? So this next song is a track I released just about this time last year. It's called Whistle. It's an homage to Nick Drake, a folk singer who put out an album called Pink Moon in 1972. And being in the Pink Moon full moon, I always like to uh, get back to my love for Nick Drake around this time of year. So I'm going to play this little instrumental. It has some some sampling of, of him speaking, one of the only public recordings of his speaking voice, um, just kind of rambling about. Sounds like he had a night of partying with friends or whatever it was, and he's like driving home, just sort of like musing about it. But anyway. Okay, next prompt. How can I forgive and make peace with the past in order to create space for building up the future that I want to 
embody here in the present. Prompt, 
What do I need to specifically let go of in order to achieve more balance in life? Balance in the mind, body, spirit, and in any other physical or emotional ways in your life, um, even from the scale of balancing our ego with spirit, with the moment, with, uh, with God, if that language resonates more with you, how to create that healthy balance. And of course, the flip side of that question is what can I bring into my life that's going to help encourage balance? What authentic needs still need to be attended to that may be letting go of, for instance, unhealthy coping mechanisms, that need is still going to be needed to be served. So what can we bring into our life to encourage a healthy balance? A lot of aspects to that. I'm going to play a little bit of a longer one here. This is called Heart Spark off of my latest EP called Airing Out. Between you and me, 
Okay, last prompt. What brings me authentic joy and allows me to just melt into the moment and be myself? And how can I facilitate bringing more space and time to enjoy such things? This last song I'm going to play is called Start Again from the Sola T album. All right, thanks again for listening and taking time to self-reflect and journal with me today. Definitely let me know if you enjoyed this format and if you'd be interested in participating in a Zoom call to kind of share 
on what came up, definitely let me know. All right, thank you so much. Keep flowing. <laughs>